You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. Well, it's a big day. Huge day. Charlie Roos has been on hiatus from podcasting for <laughs> a bit, mm-hmm. which was honestly tragic for everyone involved. It was, it was horrible for all of you. <laughs> horrible for all of us. But he's back. <laughs> Yippee! And we're real excited. Um, and today we thought we would talk about um, a field of study that Charlie is doing a lot of training and beginning to train others in. And um, it's called organic intelligence, which is about how the body is involved in holding trauma. Would you say it like that? Or how would yeah, you say it? I would say that that's, I mean, I would say what organic intelligence is trying to do is sort of integrate or marry together psychology with our physiology, which okay. is all about our bodies in many ways. Um, but, you know, our physiology also includes our brain, which is going to give us images and thoughts. And our physiology is also going to give us our emotions and our sensations. So it's it sort of incorporates all those channels of experience and looking mm-hmm. at how, uh, uh, but it definitely includes our bodies. And mm-hmm. our bodies do store trauma and our bodies do get significantly impacted uh by traumatic experiences as well as you know even when we talk about trauma there is traumatic experiences like a car accident or abuse of relationship or a big injury or right all sorts of stuff that can happen to us but there is also like being in a sort of a traumatic environment which mm-hmm. just causes me to be anxious all the time yeah. or causes me to be afraid or angry or you know kind of is way too intense for me consistently jobs can be that way families can be that way mm-hmm. can can you explain how the body holds things like i think i think many folks understand that like if something traumatic happens to you you can feel that emotionally and like if you have a car accident and the next time you drive past that yep. spot you immediately feel oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah am i gonna go off the road like what's gonna happen so there is this sense of like i understand emotionally that I'm re-experiencing something or sensitive to something because of what happened. Can you explain how that gets stored in the body, maybe physiologically, how people, how would you know that it's in your body? Yeah. What does it look like? I think, you know, the, both the gift of evolution and the curse of evolution is that, uh, we have fight, flight, and freeze states inside of us or, or those programs that, protect us and make us feel safe but when something really scary happens to us and we're not able to like uh do the protective thing or or complete like uh like say in in a car accident for example like your body's gonna want to brace protect itself run away like it's gonna want to do all sorts of things that it can't do because Mm -hmm. the accident happens so fast right and so all that like impulse and desire to get away and fear and anger and why'd they hit me and what the hell all that stuff that got Mm -hmm. that you would want to be able to express and deal with it just happens and then that's that all those experiences are just there i mean what you could sort of say they're stored in the body they're they're those fight flight experiences are incomplete then this is uh, we're going to get sort of uh like almost like conditioned 
next time that comes around, like you said, Elaine, you're going to feel like, to a degree, that incomplete impulse is still there. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like, there's that there's that place where I almost died. And, and your system is going to say, like, yeah, we should protect ourselves. We don't want that to happen again. Right. And then up comes the fear and up comes the fight and flight experiences which can often be in sensation. Your legs get shaky, your heartbeat quickens, your breath gets shallow, your stomach gets queasy, your back tightens up. Unfortunately, what can start to happen then is as that one event gets incomplete, maybe you're also in a relationship that's kind of scary or hard. And so then all of a sudden it's like, well, now my back is starting to do that thing in mm-hmm. this relationship. And then mm-hmm. I, I go into board meetings at work that are intense and now I'm getting that same back pain there. And pretty yeah. soon it's like my system starts running apart. it's just running these fight flight freeze programs yeah. at really inconvenient times uh, you can go to a party full of people who love you and support you and then you have a panic attack and it's like yeah why is my flight impulse and my fear kicking in in a completely safe environment yeah that's super frustrating and then when it gets really bad what we were talking about is it, you, people start to get these autoimmune diseases mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, the way that organic intelligence would understand something like Hashimoto's or fibromyalgia is the nervous system gets sort of conditioned and set to go in between sort of a freezy numbness and a high intensity fight and flight state. So it's like I might like I might one moment be feeling like really anxious or really like uh, up or irritated or aggressive and then I'm sort of like, oh, I guess I'm fine, and I'm just a little out of it, and mm-hmm. and and then back to that intensity and that oscillation of fight flight, then freeze, then back to fight flight, without like a real full deactivation, coming all the way down, uh, that starts to really wreak havoc on the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that there's so much more research going on these days about the that interaction, right? Of of what's going on in your life and what's going on in your body. And, yes. you know, even in my own story, um, having celiac disease, uh, which is an autoimmune disorder, um, just looking at, like, it's interesting to me that a number of my cousins um, also have celiac disease, which suggests it's genetic, mm-hmm. but it, but it's also interesting that all of us were molested Yes. by the same family member, right? So wow. it's just interesting that you've got this pairing of, trauma and autoimmune and genetics and like what's the what's more responsible for what i don't know that it matters but i think what we're seeing is that some folks can have these genetic markers for things and maybe maybe they don't ever get activated but um, when you lay a bunch of trauma on top of that genetic predisposition you know this is just what we're wondering about is like are these things so interrelated that it's important to look at like why am I having so much trouble with my body? And does that have something to do with my story? Right. Right. And I think that's, there is, you know, they even, there's experts talk about generational trauma where these, these certain states and experiences get passed down, like, and that, uh, almost like certain fears or certain phobias, or, you know, we start to see these things like showing up in multiple generations. And that's, Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like that it's getting almost yeah. passed down through our DNA at times is what it sort of seems like. And uh, and then let alone, you know, if we all shared the same kind of environment with the same scary family member, right. then we're all traumatized in the same way. And then, yeah, you start seeing like, oh, we're all, all of us are responding the same way too. Yeah. We're all shutting down or we're all really pissed off or we're all afraid, right. which that does beg the question about 
our, like you said, our genetics. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a certain way I'm probably more likely mm-hmm. to, to respond. In my family, uh, you know, some families it's, everybody gets kind of inhibited and, and mm-hmm. like, like, let's not talk about it. Let's like right. always sort of keep it all in. That's the best way to respond to our trauma. And then that creates a lot of anxiety and addiction and we're not talking about anything. Other families, they get super loud and aggressive and they hit each other and abuse each other and everyone's screaming at the table. Right, and it's like, right. whoa, like nobody's inhibiting. Everyone's just loud. Yeah. And then in other families, I think the third kind of thing you might see is just this sort of constant intensity of doing and achieving and mm. um, like performance is everything and straight A's and you know certain kids won't respond well to that and they'll they'll actually shut down they won't they can't keep up others will go 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 and yeah but yeah I definitely think um all the all of those experiences are ways that uh people and families and even organizations can can start responding to these to the sort of traumatic events and intensity around us right yeah, so what would um how would somebody guess if they're if they're holding something in their body? Like how what are the what are the symptoms that you see most often? Yeah. Like, yeah, and I think what we'd say is we'd is you would start to see these fight, flight or freeze states come into the body in different ways. So that might be like shaky legs or it might be I see anxiety attacks panic attacks like where the, mm-hmm. the the system like the nervous system is racing into intensity but that's shortness of breath my heart won't stop beating I can like feel that um, back pain a lot of like things where things that have to do with bracing like I'm, yeah. I'm holding all this tension in my body it's like I'm waiting for something bad to happen my shoulders yeah. are up a little bit my back is flexed um, Headaches, migraines that mm-hmm. can come through in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just like it can be like sweating and things that are like oh, it's just I don't know why I'm. Yeah, it's like my body is trying to to come down from something or process something sort of randomly. Um, yeah, I think all those body experiences are mm-hmm. are possible. I mean, the other side that we haven't talked much about is freeziness, where where you yeah. can also get this like I can't really feel. Uh, my shoulders yeah or like how's your body feel i don't know i don't i don't experience sensation um i feel numb in super severe cases in war you'll hear about people like going like blind temporarily it's like the body takes vision offline it's like man it's too intense for you to see anymore i've had clients who who have like have deafness come and go based on how triggered or activated they are Wow. The body's fascinating. Yeah, the body's trying to protect you. Protect you. And that's yeah. what it's all about, is it's these it's these protective, healthy mechanisms that start to get all screwed up and, yeah. and disorganized. Yeah. Yeah, and for some of us when when there's something wrong with the body, I know I know for me and a lot of women actually, like if your if your body isn't working well, what you do is ignore it and you push through because you've got kids to take care of and a thousand things to do and you've got your job and you know nobody has time for you to not feel well right so right and I, I would imagine it's true for men too that like there just isn't time or really um invitation to pay attention to what's going on in your body and to take it seriously it feels it feels uh dumb maybe right. or like pointless to really pay attention to what is your body needing right if you work an eight-hour day you're lazy Yes. Or you're like just getting by. Yes. And then if you're working 12, that makes you like high performing. And 15 to 20, you really give a shit. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, geez, Louise. And our bodies so can't funny. keep up. Right, right. 
and it's and then we keep like almost like reiterating those fight fight freeze programs because it's like I, oh I, I really have to keep going I have to keep going I can't slow down which just yeah. reinforces yeah yeah don't slow down <laughs> yeah. just stay busy it's so funny it just it just makes me think about you know my own my own process with trying to pay more attention to my body because it needs a lot and um you know now that soul care is up and running and the team's doing great and things are sort of dialed in right and it's just not necessary for me to be here 10 hours a day that i feel guilty like like if i work for 4 to 6 hours a day which is sometimes all that's necessary for me to do mm-hmm. a part of me is like i'm going to get in trouble i'm not right. sure who with but the the boss whoever that is cuz i I think the boss is me, but you know, I'm I'm worried that somebody, some other boss, <laughs> some other boss is going to say, "It seems like you don't care about this business, right?" So it's just it's just interesting to notice that constant urge and that push within myself. 100%. Like, I know you need to rest. I know you need to go on walks, and you need to like rest. You know, you just need to hang out and have fun with your girlfriends. But what are you getting done? Right. Right. So and, that's hard. And that's one of the key, I think, symptoms of that trauma is you have. You know, it's like my body hurts and or I'm exhausted or I, all I want to do is rest. And then as soon as I start to slow down and yes. let my physiology come down, yeah, the, the thoughts kick in, right. which are going to reinforce, don't slow down, like stay in yes. fight or flight. So yeah. the thoughts like, well, you're you're not safe. If you start slowing down, only working four hours a week, four hours a day, six hours a day. Yeah, that's dangerous. Right. So get busy. And then the system <laughs> ramps back up and goes yeah. back into intensity, which just keeps those fight-flight programs going. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's everywhere. In some ways, that's, sure. that's just America. Like, yeah. that's yeah. that's what we're programmed for. And Yeah. And for for many people, that's just necessity, right? To feed their families and oh, yeah. all of that. It's like, it's not an option to do what I'm doing right now, which is to just take care of myself a little bit. But um, yeah, there certainly is, even even without the necessity, there still is that push in so many of us to just be producing and creating and right. and doing our thing. And and what, what does it look like to have a sustainable lifestyle and a sustainable right. rhythm of life and pacing? These things that uh, certainly uh, the dominant culture would say that's what you're supposed to have requires so much intensity. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, And also there has to be so much meaning, right? Like everybody's uh, feeling this pressure to make, make your work have a lot of meaning, which means you have to really dig down to find out like, what is the thing that I'm supposed to do? It's just so much pressure. What's the thing I'm supposed to give my life to? And that I have to expand that and and make that successful and become an influencer and become, you know, like all the things, right? right? And there, that what's not on the radar is what do I, what does my body need? What does my family need you know what what are the rest pieces and how am i going to rejuvenate myself and how am i going to create meaning in the other parts of my life it's a great point so it sounds like we're saying there are two big things that are causing a lot of they're taxing the body pretty significantly one is trauma whatever's happened to us and how we're carrying that and all of that like specific events yeah specific events or experiences do happen yeah And then on the other side is the constant day-to-day that we're doing to ourselves, the pressure. Our environment. The pressure. Yeah, our environment creates a lot of pressure. So right. we've got both of those things 
Yep. Putting a lot of weight on this physical body that carries us around. Exactly. So then the adrenal glands are firing all the time and the kidneys and, you know, it's like this intensity and upness and cell phones contribute to it. And, mm. you know, it's funny, we were, we were leaving to go out for dinner and it was like, oh, should we leave the light on for our dog? Mm. And I just thought to myself, like, the dog doesn't need the light on. It's a dog. Like, it's <laughs> oh, actually... I was trying to figure out, does the dog need <laughs> yeah. the light on? It's I don't like, know. It's like... We actually, He's a dog. We, we, what our ancestors used to do is just follow the rhythm of the sun. Like we, we were right. used to a lot of darkness, but now we've got lights on all the time, screens on all the time. Yeah. Again, it just wreaks, wreaks havoc on our bodies. Right, right. Preventing us from coming down, full relaxation. So yes, yeah. those are the two things. We've got events and our environment that are, okay. that are taxing us. So if people wanted to practice some basic coming down activities what are some of the things you suggest to people to to try to put into practice a little bit so one thing for sure is uh like using mindfulness techniques uh to to get out of thoughts feelings sensations basically get out of our inner experience like because those fight flight programs they're happening on the inside They're, they're it's scary thoughts or angry thoughts or angry flashbacks or scary sensations or, or the emotions of fear and we're having all this internal experience running all the time and if we can take a break from that and mindfully just come back into the environment what we call orientation that helps the amygdala which is running the part of the brain running all those fight flight responses uh, it helps it to like slow down and like stop running for a little bit it like interrupts some of that fight flight conditioning so one exercise would be like um, and maybe we've talked about this before but you know, look around the room and name 10 things you see and describe them to yourself. Color, size, all that. I see a plant. It's a plant. It's green. It's two feet tall. Uh, it's got a white vase. And my goal is just to, I'm just coming into the environment and out of my inner experience altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation techniques can help with that, that help you slow your breath down. And um, yoga can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, the goal is like, it should feel calming. Yeah. Like we can do calming things in a really intense way. Like I'm just going to do journaling. Right. I'm just going to journal for two hours and it's going to be really relaxing. I'm just going to write 10 right. pages. And it's like, that was super intense journaling. Mm-hmm. That didn't sound like it was really calming. Right. Our prayer right. times can just be a bunch of internal anxious noise, you know. Right. Right. Um, but getting massages, uh, a lot of times it takes another person to help us calm down too. Mm-hmm. And so talking with a friend or going to coffee... You, anything you can really mindfully enjoy that's going to feel good that's the goal like mm-hmm. does it how does it feel to do that yeah and do what feels really good and start getting oriented towards enjoyment because that's not intense enjoyment not addictive enjoyment but like non-intense non-addictive pleasure yeah, yeah. is huge so those are activities we need activities like that every day right Yes. Some version. Some rhythm of life. Some rhythm of life that, that gets you. you doing that. Yeah. That brings your system down. Um, what about when you notice that you're activated? Like, let's yes. say you're telling a story. And, you know, we've seen this with clients where, like, right. they're telling a story about something. Their fists are clenched or, you know, like, what what do you suggest that people do in those moments when they notice, oh, my gosh, I'm getting really activated right now. And I can feel this in my body. Sure. I mean... The big, the first thing you could that I would do is try to ignore it, like try to mm. try to like not go with it because it's probably already too intense and too like 
pretty extreme. So if you can like, whoa, I need to take a break. Again, I'm going to orient. I'm going to get out of my inner experience, look around the room, kind of uh, see if my physiology will naturally calm if I just okay. like stop that intensity from going. Sometimes it's too late. Like you're already way up and you're amped. Yeah. And so it's like, nope, this something needs to happen here. Mm-hmm. Then what I would do is rather, as I would, and a lot of times what I tell my clients is like, one, get out of thought because the thoughts are probably going to race they're going to want to race you into more and more and more intensity. So if you can at least block thoughts and just track in your body, mm-hmm. like what are you noticing in your body? So if it's like, you know, if it's like, then my boss said this and he's such an asshole and how dare he okay. and why would he talk to me that way? And so the story, she like doesn't, get yourself yes. out of the story. Because the story is going to just keep bumping you up. And if you can yeah. call out the story and then like, okay, but what am I feeling? And it's like, like you said, my hands are clenched and my teeth are gritting. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm just going to track that for 10 to 20 seconds and see what happens. And what I'd be looking for would be like a uh, a natural, unforced, deep breath. Like like mm. hold that, track that sensation, and then you'll sort of like have this experience of... <sighs> yeah. And once that deep breath comes on its own, you can't force it, that represents like a phase change in the nervous system from going from like intensity to maybe pivoting down. Mm-hmm. And that's the temptation could be for the system to like immediately give you another intense thought yeah. But once that deep breath comes, then I get back to orienting, see if you can, again, kind of get a reset, stop, keep getting out of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, to a degree, it's also any port in a storm. I mean, it's like right. if, the, if it's a storm raging on the inside, anything that's going to make you feel better, yeah. do Yeah, that. like somebody holding you for Super a little helpful. bit, right? Like um, so when you're feeling frustrated or wound up, just somebody holding you until that breath comes. Like I've noticed yes. that sometimes there's like a little resistance to being held initially. And then if you can sink into that and just feel the comfort of this person's body against yours and being held by someone, give yourself enough time until you feel yourself right, right? settling. Like, uh, and that breath is the settling. Yes. I've had clients where I've said like, uh, hold them like in a couple session. Like when that situation happens and your spouse or your partner is really spun up yeah. and they're mad at you, but you can tell they're really just hurt, like hold them until they cry. Mm, That's what we're going for. Like yeah. we're, we're going to like yeah. hold them until they sort of pop over that little right. threshold or the little like intensity cycle. Yeah. And when the tears start flowing, they're probably going to start coming down yeah. and deactivating. How does that work in the body? What, how is that connected that the tears result in the release? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's, um, I would say uh, how that works in the body is is a great question. What it seems is happening is that there's all, the fight-flight program is running. And don't quote me on this, but this is what it looks like to me. You've got this fight-flight program running of fear or anger or whatever. And then once once you find like your safety, and your connection. So that fight flight energy actually like meets the thing it needs, which is like, oh, I'm being protected or I'm being I'm safe mm-hmm. or somebody loves mm-hmm. me, like I'm I'm being listened to, I'm being supported, then it's like that that self-protective mechanism like finds its resource or this thing that it's actually needing. Mm-hmm. And then it's like something in the system goes, Oh, okay, then it's okay now. Yeah. And once it's okay now, then the system like deactivates and those tears 
a lot of times are like this discharging of energy. It's like, oh, I just needed yeah, to know yeah. you were there for me. Yeah, I just need to like <laughs> sob. And you see this with kids. Like they yes, fall. Yeah. They look terrified. They look around. And then as soon as they see mom and mom like they like reach. And as soon as they're in mom's arms, they ball. Yes. And it's like. Yes. It's okay now, and there's this massive discharge of energy. And then we, yeah. what do we say? You're okay. I know that was scary. It was really hard. And uh-huh. there's like sob and sob and sob yeah. coming down from that scary and w- thing. And we, we interrupt that release when we tell kids, there's nothing to cry about. Go back and play. You're fine. Get out. You know, pat them on the butt and send right. them on their way. Right? Yes. And I think a lot of times, you know, that's tough because some kids have a tendency to like race into too much intensity. And so the parents are probably wise to say, like, hey, like, it's okay. They don't like, right. look around. We're good. We're here. Right, right. But other times, it's it could be really blocking their intensity. Yeah. It's like, they actually need to cry. Right. And you're, you're by blocking the release of that emotion, you're, they're kind of holding it in or stuffing mm-hmm. the intensity, mm-hmm. which, uh, and usually families get sort of a conditioned way of dealing with things like emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either like, oh, it's... Again, it can be way too intense or it's like it's way too inhibited versus like, hey, let's let's just have our experience and then move on. Right. Sometimes you have to have a good cry and then ideally we can get back to back to life. Cornhole. Back to cornhole. Yeah. Playing some games. (laughs) Just games of chance. I'm getting shockingly good at that. (laughs) So are you? Yeah. (laughs) Cornhole? Yeah. Are you an overhand thrower or underhand? And like I just like hold it by the edge and sort of spin it. Find that works for me. You have good technique. I guess. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> That's good. And you're finding that you get it just on the board or you actually oh, get in it? the hole. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's no point in playing unless you're going to win. That's what I think. <laughs> we play to win. There it is. There's that good intensity again. Oops. Like, we play, Oops. <laughs> we play to, I'm the same way. Play to win. Play to win or don't play. Oh, gosh. Okay. So what we want to do is get out of our thoughts and... Typically, the thought channel is not super helpful. Getting into the body is going to be a little less intense, ideally. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, that's okay. Because then, if we're able to do that, then we can go to, gosh, that was a really scary experience. Like, then we can talk about it more productively, would you say? Or I'm finding, like, this example you gave of your boss. Not not <laughs> yeah. is, is your boss yeah. really bugging you? Yeah. I mean, this would be a time to tell. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so in that in that example, when we're we're telling the story, right? So we're running through the narrative about yeah. like what what he or she does to us and how it makes us feel and how mad we are, and maybe when when we can calm down, we might we might be able to get to a place of like. I'm just not sure I fit there. Bingo. I'm just not sure that this is a spot for me. I'm feeling pretty powerless. I'm feeling like I, I want to give more, but it doesn't feel like it's wanted. Or I'm just really sad. Right. I'm feeling like some rejection there. And that's a more useful place to get with the feelings than that I'm so mad and he and she said this. And... Yeah. And the thoughts, you know, we're so... Part of our like dissociation from our bodies is that we are often so stuck in our thoughts. And that's sort of the only way we can experience life is, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm feeling in my body. Yeah, I only yeah. know what I'm thinking. Yes. And so... Yeah. I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah. And so staying in thoughts, I would say thoughts can cause... Just staying in thought can cause two potential problems. One, I just... I'm so mad. And the more I talk, the more I think, the more I just get madder and madder and madder or more and more and more afraid. And it's like, oh, this isn't... 
I'm not, again, I'm not finding that like thing I need, that support I need, and then mm-hmm. like popping over that sort of threshold mark or whatever and crying and deactivating, uh, like we talked about, like I'm just racing. And, yeah. and, and the more I talk, the more I race, and the more I race, the more I want to talk. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to help you. Other people use words to actually prevent themselves from feeling. Mm-hmm. You can see this, like, the, yeah. they'll start talking faster. It's like, yeah. and then this happened, and, and it was really painful, <laughs> but it wasn't that painful. And I know that it wasn't that painful. I just have to tell myself, like, I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. It's okay. <laughs> but I, I, I could be hurt, but it's like, it, it's fine. I know it's fine. I keep telling myself that. And it's like, if you just right. stop talking, you'll cry. Yeah. So just like you're just avoiding. Yeah, block the words and just track, and then they just start sobbing. I'm just sad. Why weren't they there? I feel abandoned. Or yeah. um, And so the thoughts again Mm. just prevent. Yeah. Prevent the processing from happening. Yeah. Yeah. So if if we if we could believe and accept that we need to feel all the things, right? We need to feel the emotions. We need to feel the sensations we'd be able to move through things more quickly. I believe that. And more successfully. Mm-hmm. And we'd be holding on to less. We might get less sick, potentially. Uh, 100%. Right? Yeah. So there's so many gifts in being able to do that. And, of course, most of us were taught not to do any of that. So that's the right. big challenge is can we shift our thinking about that and allow ourselves and the people around us to feel what they're feeling and to not be afraid of it, not run away from it and just say, you know, so-and-so's crying right now and it's fine. Like the world is not coming to an end or I'm feeling really sad right now and that's just a feeling. It's not going to kill me. Right. Just let myself feel it. And at some point it will dissipate mm-hmm. and I'll go back to, you know. Enjoying <laughs> myself. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cornhole. To, like, I was just going to say that. <laughs> exactly. That maybe is over, overusing the cornhole no, no. illustration. That's but, and that idea of like, you know, I think what organic intelligence is trying to to provide to the world to a degree is to say like, like let's start with being present and mindful and oriented and just like yeah. being here and in this moment and really oriented to pleasure and what feels good because our environment is so intense and often we are so used to feeling bad. Yeah. And then let's just have our full experience. Like let's have our sensation experience and our emotion experience and and when that happens let's have it and then see if we can like like you said once it Mm -hmm. passes and moves through we don't need to avoid it inhibit Mm -hmm. it try to get rid of it just have it and then come back to the here now go back to cornhole back to enjoying yourself and if that's going to be a more organizing way to live uh, than getting stuck in intensity and Mm -hmm. uh and and you know it, it takes there's a whole protocol that we don't have time to go into that's so sort of complex in terms of how do you get the system, the nervous system, back to that place of like natural deactivation and natural enjoyment because it mm-hmm. takes work. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, once, it's not natural for us. Yeah, for sure. once we're conditioned into our fight flight programs, it's it's hard. Yeah, you know, and other modalities deal with that too, like EMDR and and other and somatic experiencing, which OI kind of comes out of that, but. Um, you know, sometimes we need we need help. We need therapy to mm-hmm. get to get back to these sort of baseline places where we can enjoy life again. But right. we certainly can participate on a daily basis with mm-hmm. where we put our attention and where we put our focus. Yeah, and I think I think uh, a part of me always knew intuitively that my body needed calming down. I was just thinking about like how much I love going to Home Goods and looking at pretty things. Right? It's so good. It's like a garden, right? You're just 
You're just wandering through looking at pretty flowers. And then you said, my body feels good. Yeah, my body feels good. Right. So this idea, one, I'm orienting to the environment. Like I'm, I'm putting my attention in the environment, in the here and now with what I'm seeing. Yeah. And I'm mindfully enjoying it. Yes. My body calms down. Right. And I feel good. I feel good. And all that inflammation and... Yes. You have... Uh, Celiac. Celiacs, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All that stuff starts to calm down a little bit. Right. And what we'd probably say is, you know, blood is returning to the stomach because when it's in fight flight, yes. blood leaves the stomach. Like things just, your physiology starts doing what it's supposed to do. Explain that a little bit more. How? Yeah. So like when, when a system, when a nervous system pops into fight or flight, basically high intensity, the blood leaves the genitals. So it's hard to have sex when you're stressed out mm-hmm. and really up. And it leaves the stomach, which is where all the digestion happens. Right. And so when we talk about like these nervous system syndromes like celiacs and Hashimoto's and fibromyalgia, one of the reasons why there's so much digestion issues with those is because uh, what I've been taught is that blood is leaving the digestive areas to go to the arms and the legs to mobilize them for fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, the body is saying like, hey, you're in danger. You don't need blood for digestion right now. You're not going to be eating and you're not going to be having sex. We're mm-hmm. going to put all the blood into where we need it, which is to get away or to fight back. Right. But when that's happening all the time, yeah, it's going to wreak it's havoc. Break. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with when your kidneys are like, oh, we're in danger. Better start pumping adrenaline. And it's like, well, what if you're pumping adrenaline all the time? Yeah. The blood is leaving the genitals and the stomach all the time. And you're just sort of up in your fight flight programs what what's going to happen to the body's physiology what's well, going to get worn out and mm-hmm. it's then it's cortisol is pumping and jeez we're all crashing it's miserable yeah it's miserable thyroids adrenals cortisol stomach right and it's just wreaking havoc on us and then migraines are coming in and it's just yeah you know people just they're they're suffering yeah. So we need to spend more time in home goods. Way more time in home goods. Or, you know, whatever version of that works for you. Yeah. Find your home goods for an hour a day. <laughs> that would be a good idea. You know, I was just thinking idea. about like when my kids were little, after I would drop them off to school, I would almost every day go to Target. And I would just wander around Target and look at pretty things, touch them. I would sometimes carry around a fuzzy pillow and just like, just hold it for That's a while. A great. A great practice. <laughs> and I would maybe get milk or some, you know, some things that I actually needed. But just the ritual of walking around Target would actually calm me down. I just that that was like my version right. of orienting. Exactly. Right? You were orienting and orienting to pleasure, enjoying yourself. And, yeah. and the biggest benefit there is you get a full deactivation in the nervous system. And that's what we're yeah. ultimately going for is this full, calm deactivation, <laughs> which so few people ever really experience a deep coming down we know Mm -hmm. how to go up we know how to go into intensity we know we don't need to like work on experiencing our fear like we know what that feels like right well that's super helpful stuff charlie all right good to be back yeah so good to have (laughs) you back always genius stuff in there it's awesome at some point we're hoping to have a podcast episode with dr stewart who is um, a naturopathic doctor who knows all about you know, all of these autoimmune disorders and is going to explain it to us from a medical perspective. So awesome. I'm really looking forward to having her with us and being able to talk um, with her about how she sees trauma playing itself out in our, in our bodies. So I think that's going to be um, another layer of this that will help educate us about why processing things is so important for us to do. So great. So thanks again. Okay. Thank you. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, our website is soulcarehouse.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is Soul Care House and Barn. Talk to you soon.